He's going to tell us how to get out of debt right now. Yeah. Put your credit card in the freezer. I don't know if he tells you that. Something like that. Anyway, good morning, everyone. Good to see you on this uh, beautiful fall day. Right? It's not fall yet, technically, but kind of, kind of getting there. I want to thank everybody. Um, you know what? Uh, I'll just say this real quickly. It's kind of funny. My youngest son got his hand on the financial peace stuff. We ran it up north uh, years ago, and uh, my kids kind of went through it and forgot about it. So my youngest son just got his hands on it. He's like, oh, wow, and he's like totally toxic on the subject now in a good way. And he's got all his siblings now reading the book and getting all wired up. And so it's kind of a funny reactionary thing, and you may have the same kind of experience because it is a helpful, helpful program. So if, you're, uh, str- if you struggle with debt and um, managing your finances, I just want to recommend it to you, okay? Uh, so there, I said what I need to say. Thank you to everybody who helped me move yesterday. Uh, moving is so much fun. It's the 10th move in our lives as uh, in marriage because ministry takes you all over the country. And so this is the 10th time. Hope it's the last time for a long time, right? And uh, so, uh, it was just fun to watch the body. Every time you guys come together, it's like an army comes moving and <laughs> bloom, you know, like it's probably a negative illustration. But like, you know, the locusts in the Bible, they move in and they strip everything and then they go off. And that's what the house looked like. Whoop! Where did it all go? One load. Boom! A bunch of trucks, trailers. I can't thank everybody, but thanks so much. But I'm telling you, there's a few animals in this place. You know, here, move this refrigerator. Okay. It's like, don't ever get in a fight with me, all right? Very cool. So, so I'm a little, um, uh, yeah, and, uh, but I didn't fall down the stairs finding my way in the dark, so that's good. So, was, yeah. <laughs> now, if I said I did fall down the stairs, would somebody go, yay? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Who has more fun than people? That's what my wife always says, right? It's really true. All right. I'm going to pray, if I may, uh, that the Holy Spirit would help us this morning. Because last week we asked, I had my question, because we've been doing the Daily Bible and we've been, I've been inviting questions for a couple of years now on Scripture. I always invite questions. I love to be able to answer your questions, especially when... You know, people often say, I don't know if I should ask that question. The only dumb question is the one you're not asking because somebody else is thinking the same thing. So we've tried to answer bunches of questions, and then last week I got mad. Not really. I said, I'm going to ask the question this time. And I was asking why things look different in the New Testament than what we often see as we're reading through. So this week I have a question mark on my title. Is my question answered yet? I'm not sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make trouble today. Is that all right? Okay. Let's pray. We sang this morning songs that speak to the reality, God, that we need Thee every hour. And Lord, it is, it is people who have entered into life with Jesus who, who find that that song, even if it's an oldie that uh, they hardly know, that reality resonates with us, that we need you. We need you to, well, to, to draw our next breath. The, those in the world take it for granted. They're going to get up the next morning, they think, and yet that's not promised. So we recognize just our physical needs, our life, our sustenance. These are some of the things you provide for us. But when we are in Jesus, we need him every hour in order to be fulfilling what he has in mind for our life. To follow him effectually and not get off track. We need that interaction. We need that help that comes from you. So this morning, I'm asking God that you would help kind of rivet that down into our souls. Um, That we would not just be formal, but that we would be alive. And so thank you for the disciples that are in this room that are hungry, that 
that do have a heart. They want, they want to know you. They want to have that leading in their life. They're already predisposed. Thank you for those who are here that maybe your spirit may tap on the shoulder today and say, it's time for you to respond. And even those who are with us today who are leaning in, wondering, what is this whole Jesus thing all, really all about? We have churches on so many corners, so little of the life of Jesus flowing out into our community. So we need help. We need thee every hour. Would you help us today? Holy Spirit, activate my gift. Carry me along in spite of uh, my brain uh, being clogged up with uh, all kinds of activity yesterday and still on my mind and my brothers and sisters who probably have a bunch of things on their mind as well. Who knows what troubles they left behind to come here today. Help them to offload that for a few minutes and Holy Spirit, meet their need. We'll thank you for helping us. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Well, we've been going through the Daily Bible and... um, I did notice that the ad for the daily Bible reading, that's not a daily Bible they're reading. That's all right. I forgive them. The little slide. You get the slide? Anybody here? Okay. The picture. It's not a daily Bible. Did you notice it's a regular? Yeah, it's a study Bible. Is that allowed? It's okay. We've been reading that together. And what's that? See that? Whose version is that? That's the best you get to look at it. What's that? He's cross-referencing that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, my question just got answered. Okay. (laughs) If you've been part of this series and you've had questions that I didn't answer, I apologize if I didn't get to them. Um, Don't give up. And um, I'm sorry if either I didn't get to it or maybe you missed the Sunday that I did. One week I had Pastor Tim answer a question that came in that I had just very carefully explained the week before, and so I asked him to review that for you. You did that, right? Yes, because I listened. I checked up on you. All right. So the Bible, is we're reading it because it is God's truth. It is the truth that God has left us with, where we have a sure word about what's really going on in the universe. For 2,000 years now, over, people have been signing up to be followers of this person, Jesus. And the way they learn about him is in the word of God. And that's why we put emphasis. Every real Bible teaching church or a church of real believers puts an emphasis on getting the word of God into your system. And uh, so if that's a low priority, even if you're not a good reader, it's something that you need to kind of incorporate, start building the incorporation of that into your life. And people have been following Jesus for all of these 2,000 years. So in your notes, I wanted to kind of set up a little bit of background, if I might. And I think about people following Jesus. For 2,000 years, people have been signing up, even if it meant persecution and difficulty. They chose to follow this person, Jesus, because they recognize he's the source of eternal life. There's no other way to get it. And he's also the source of abundant life, the life that brings peace to my soul, that deals with my guilt, the things that trouble me. It brings me abundance in my soul. So I got one amen on that. Sorry about that. Thank you, dear. I can always depend on my honey. So I wanted to, I wanted to just pause for a minute. When, when people here, and we've had people come to faith here since I've been here, and people who have found their way to harmony and decided we want to sign up. It's time for us to mark ourselves as followers and get baptized and be a part of the assembly and what have you. We have a new member class for that. By the way, this is not an advertisement. I'm actually teaching. But if you want to come to a new member class, we'll set one up because we do that regularly. But when I do my new member class, I try to make a distinction between two things. Let me just share that with you. One is what I call Christendom. If you've been in the class, you'll remember this conversation. If you haven't, this may be new to you. Christendom. What is Christendom? 
Christendom is the culture that has come out of the impact of Christianity over the last 2,000 years. That can be good as well as, yes, it can have two kinds of effects. Not all of it is good. Thank God there's been an awful lot that is good. Because of the impact on Christian, of Christianity, starting in the Roman Empire after the first 300 years and persecutions galore, they won the day and things started to shift. And people started coming to faith, did come to faith by mass. Good things that have come out of the history of Christianity. Just for example, social justice issues. You know, today we talk like Christians had nothing to do with any of that, and that is hokey. If you dig into the history, the anti-slavery movement, for example, was motivated many times by godly, self-sacrificing believers. Uh, there's even a, a, a movie, Amazing Grace, right? If you've seen it, it that's what it was about. The political pressure that uh, godly Christians put on the British Parliament. Social justice um, influences in terms of the down and outers. I, I think of uh, a lady that comes from our school. She's had kids in school. Their last name is Booth. And she's filled in for Jody on an occasion. And I asked her one day, uh, are you any relationship to William Booth? And, of course, everybody in the room's going, who's that? Yes! 200 points for you! the founder of the Salvation Army. Have you ever heard of that? And that was on the streets in, in London and in the English territories, impacting people who were um, in poverty or they were in prostitution or whatever it was. They were the front runners, an army out to serve Jesus and make a difference in the culture. So we sometimes lose track of the fact that there have been amazing impacts because of the influence of Christianity. But there's also sometimes a downside. For example, it becomes complacent. It becomes ritualistic. Uh, we're just used to it. You know, like I, I like to use the word yawn. You know, oh, I came to church. I went to church today. <sighs> especially because Pastor John was pretty, well, whatever, right? Yawn. It becomes dead ritual. We develop legalisms like these are do's and these are don'ts. And sometimes they have nothing to do with the real world anymore. And, we fought. and then let's take the worst case scenario. Have you ever heard of the Crusades? That's kind of a bad story that came out of Christendom. But can I just make this point? There's a difference between Christendom, which is more culture than the next word, Christianity. That's true followership of the person of Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. In fact, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, I just read it again because I'm moving on through the book of Acts. When the people resisted and persecuted the way, that's what it was called, the way. It wasn't a club. It wasn't like a church building. It was a way of living. And we talked about that last week. It was a whole change of my perspective and how I was going to live. It was transitional for the individual who jumped in. A new trajectory for my life. In what way is Jesus having that kind of impact? Uh, let me give you a hint. If you start doing financial peace... I'll be blunt. The primary motive of that is carnal. <gasps> Did he say that? Yeah, I want to save money. I want to be able to live better later by not being stupid now. That's what it's about. But he gets to the point eventually that there is the opportunity to serve God with what I have as well. That change is a new trajectory. That comes from the teachings of Jesus. So sometimes I share that, and if somebody is listening to me today and wondering where they're at in their walk with Christianity or they're new believers, it has always helped me understand the difference between being a follower of Jesus and what we so often encounter in churchianity or Christendom. Does that make sense? Oh, that, I get it now. 
Revival helped me understand that. Revival's needed when Christendom has brought that downward gravity of sin. Let me, let me show you a quote from Loveless, I've, The Dynamics of Spiritual Life. I've shared this before, but maybe now it'll resonate a little bit better. Periods of spiritual decline occur in history. Why? Because the gravity of indwelling sin keeps pulling believers first into formal religion and then into open apostasy. Does everybody follow what that says? Formal religion is when it's... <sighs> there are sections of the country you go to, everybody goes to church. You're not a good American if you don't go to church. Those two things do not go together, per se. I'm sorry. They, they can, but they don't necessarily. It's a cultural thing. It's formal. My personal life is full of all kinds of resentments and angers and... And uh, all kinds of evil behavior, maybe even pilfering from my boss or whatever, but I go to church. I'm a good guy, because that's what you do. It helped me understand the difference between that and when the assembly enlivens and starts following Jesus. And sometimes that's a, that upsets the religious establishment. What are you doing? I'm trying to follow Jesus. Well, not in my church. Well, then it's obviously not Jesus' church. <laughs> it's your church. <laughs> Oops, did I, am I messing with anybody here? I'm sorry. Let me read the last point. Last time I remember Teddy, I think it was asking, what is apostasy? Can I just be clear on that so you don't misunderstand? That's not the world. The world can't apostatize. Apostasy means in Greek, a falling away. So when I'm a follower of Jesus and I fall away from him, or when the church starts to fall away from him, we stop doing the things that are right, where churches are standing today. I'll just be candid, not to be picky or whatever. When I remember in Binghamton an abortion clinic in the basement of a church. I'm like, this is upside down. This is upside down. That would be a manifestation of apostasy. Falling away from what is true. The Crusades were an example of really being off track. Thinking that we're on track serving God. Imagine killing, right? We see this today with radical uh, terrorism and we go, how horrible. But see, if we get away from Christianity and get into Christendom, we can end up being deceived. So enough said on that. So can we talk for a minute? Yes. Remember Joan Rivers? She, can we talk? I must be too old, I guess. I'm too old, man. Jo Joan Rivers, she was a comedian. She's still alive? I think she, she's not, right. That's right, that's right. See how old I am? I can't even remember. And I knew that. Can we talk? So, it weighs on me. It weighs on me as your pastor. It's why a few months back I said, I think I'm ready to start pastoring Harmony. Because it's weighed on me. Sometimes our Christendom is so strong that trying to press on Christianity in our lives... <gasps> what? What you meddling preacher? Makes me nervous, okay? Can I, can I just tell you? You make me nervous. Not all of you. But we want to be meddled with so that we're actually engaged in following Jesus. Let me give you a couple examples. I, I'm going to be real quick about this because I'm actually kind of excited about this. That, that's been my history, right? I was in bad shape. You all know that. I've confessed to the whole church. I've told the whole church what a mess I was. I don't know why you hired me. You know, maybe all were, you know, something was wrong that day. I don't know. And uh, what's that? We were, you were worse. Domo arigato gozaimasu. Okay, thank you, Gene. And, uh, you know, God has worked over these five years. I love you. I want us to move forward. And here's what started to happen, why I'm talking about this today, is I feel like God is building our hope. God is building our hope. Here's two trajectories that we need to get into our DNA that will make all the difference. I believe that we, and many churches do this. By the way, we're not an exception, okay? Many churches do this. We don't know how to speak the truth and love to each other. 
So I allow bad behavior to go on and on and on. It, it happens. It happens on Sunday morning. It happens during the food pantry. It happens during the weeknight. It happens. Okay? And we need to be able to edify. I love my, I had a guy on staff, you say, I'm going to edify Pastor John. I thought, uh-oh, here it comes. And actually what he was saying at that point is, Here's how he's done something good and blah, blah, blah. We can edify one another, not only by exhorting and saying, that was not so healthy, I think you can do better. And I love that. In healthy atmospheres, brothers and sisters speak to one another and say, you know that wasn't right, right? You, I, I, I expect more. You're, you're able, you, you've got it. You get it. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You can do better than that, right? And call us up. Call us up to what is better. Right now, I've got CDs. I hope everyone got one. I, I, a little bit bootleg. I got permission, I promise, uh, of uh, CDs of John Ortberg's sermon called The Ministry of Admonition. And we're circulate, circulating that with our elders. They're going to listen to it, and then we're going to pass it on to all the other officers in the church, officers in the church, and the reason we're doing that is so that we don't allow ourselves to keep doing those things. Even if it's me, if I say something stupid, which I will at least once in the next decade, I can guarantee you, uh, probably not this week, no, maybe even this week, but if I do and it's not edifying and it's caused damage, then for someone to say, you know, that was hard. And when people do that with me, I try to say, yeah, you know what? Now that you mention it, I think I was in the flesh, and I'm sorry that that happened. Unless what I said was clearly Bible chapter and verse, and they're not happy about it, then guess whose problem it is? At that point, it's not my problem, except to help you and to pray for you. Okay? So we're going to be moving in that direction, which I believe will help us with the ministry of admonition. I don't believe I forgot my shirt. I, no, I have a shirt on. I know that. But I was going to bring and hold up. Anybody, anybody got one of the little sticks? The pray for one. You know, the pray for, I have my pray for one shirt on my desk this morning to bring to church. I don't know why I was so disheveled in my head that I forgot that shirt. But imagine I'm holding it up right now. That nice gray shirt with hashtag pray for one. Magic. You guys are hired permanently, I'm telling you. You got a little sticker? I've got one on my car. I've got one over there. Here, here's why I'm throwing this up. I, that came to me one week, like before last summer, and I was like, I think I've got something the Holy Spirit wants to speak into our church because when we had our ministry mapping team come through, remember one of the things we recognized about Harmony is we're self-focused and we need to be looking outward. So that was one of the ways to make it simple and bite-sized pieces. Pray for one. Just connect. It might be a family member. It might be a neighbor. It might be a co-worker. It might be the guy that throws his banana peel in your driveway every morning. My mother had that, literally. But anyway, whoever it is, you start praying for them and asking God to work on their heart and asking for an opportunity to invite them to church or interact or whatever. No hard, fast rules. Just start praying for one. It would help us move. And frankly, we haven't championed that well enough. Okay? Um, the shirts were donated and the proceeds were going to go to the, the food pantry. But that's secondary. The main point was we're trying to focus outwardly. Those of you who are uh, like... Please tell him to be quiet. You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid. And uh, little, tiny, bite-sized pieces. I can't have this happen today, but there's a person in our church. This, this is radical. Took this. There's several, actually, have taken this to heart and have a story to tell where they actually got their first score. <laughs> Somebody actually responded to the good news that they were praying for, and their response to me on that was one down, three to go, because they have a list. 
And I'm not going to tell their story. I want them to come and tell their story to you. Okay? But I haven't asked them yet. And when I ask them and they say, no way, you all pray for me so I can twist their arm in the Holy Spirit, of course. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay? So those are two trajectories that I think as we're moving in that direction, edifying one another, speaking life to each other like the New Testament described, they were building each other up, that we're building each other up, becoming more and more manifestly followers of this person, Jesus, not victims of Christendom only. And not that all Christendom is bad. It's not. We're, we're reaping the benefits of many good rules and laws that came out of Scripture, you realize, uh, while we have them. But that we're actually manifesting followership of Jesus. So edifying by the ministry of admonition, praying, hashtag praying for one, looking outwardly, those things will make us look a little bit more like what we read about, even without talking about all the miracles in the New Testament. Have you ever read the miracles in the New Testament? You go, how come I never saw that? Anybody feel that way ever? Yeah? Yeah. I understand completely. I feel, I feel a little guilty. Well, not guilty. Guilty is not the word. No, it's not even chagrin. That's... Uh, Keep it coming, keep it coming, keep it coming. No, no. No, the word I feel, uh, I, sometimes I feel disheartened because of my own personal experience having seen some of that. And it's like, God, and don't you ever feel that? How about now? How about a few more times? Because when you read the New Testament where churches were planted, sometimes it was one miracle, one miraculous transformation that changed the entire town. You know, one small thing like somebody raised from the dead. That'll, that'll have an impact, you know. Uh, Dorcas was raised from the dead by Peter. I think people noticed. It made the news. But sometimes even smaller things, you know. Uh, Elemis the magician getting blinded when he was opposing the gospel. Uh, you'll read it. When you keep going, keep going into the New Testament, you'll read it. It's there. Takes a couple of things like that and everybody's alert to the fact that God is alive and something's going on. But even without the miraculous intervention, when we manifest following Jesus, it gets people's attention. I also believe that when we're following him, the Spirit comes along to help us and works alongside of us, bringing people under conviction. Sometimes I feel like, and I, I wrote this down, when you talked about being chagrined or whatever, could it be there's no such thing as sin to be repented of anymore? Well, but that's the way our culture feels, doesn't it? Nothing's a sin anymore. What's a sin? What's wrong? Is, is, is our generation too enlightened to believe this 2,000-year-old doctrine about a person named Jesus who was raised from the dead and tells us to follow him, or is modernity, modernity, you know, modern times, just doesn't mesh with first century religion, is it outdated, is that, is that what's wrong, sometimes I wonder, you know, it, it makes you feel like that, the, the weight of unbelief in our culture, it makes you feel like, are we fighting an uphill battle here, kind of, so last week I asked, um, you know, my question, how come? I, don't, I got two responses. I'm not naming any names, but I got two responses. One person said that it's partly cultural because in other cultures, people are more active. For example, uh, some cultures are more resilient, respectful. Christians in certain countries, I'm not going to mention which, are dedicated, committed, and obedient. By the way, I happen to know this to be a true story. Koreans, for example, where the church grew like crazy. And by the way, at one point, I don't know if it's still true, the largest Christian church in the world is in Korea, right, under Pastor Cho. Don't even know if he's still at it. But uh, professionals, all business people, whatever, they'd get up at, at 5 a.m. to go pray together before they go into work. 
and people were coming to faith left and right all over the place. So, yeah, there's, there are some differences like that, right? But are we, are we therefore, are, we're the wrong culture? Is that it? I don't think so. In other words, has Jesus stopped doing what he's always been doing? I doubt it very much. If you want to see what I'm about to read out of your Bible in the seat, nine, page 994, 994, the verse for today is Matthew 28, and some of you have enough Bible knowledge, you know where I'm going, right? Anybody recognize this? Let's put it on the screen. Jesus came up, spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What's that called? The Great Commission, right? The assignment given to the church when Jesus was heading home to be with his father. But he doesn't leave us alone because it says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's uh, the call upon the church. By the way, churches fuss night and day about having good mission statements and all of that. That is the mission statement of every church if it's not apostatized. That is the mission statement. We're called to do something. According to this text, there are three words that we need to look at. One is, there's power available. You have the fill-ins in your bulletin. Power. The Greek word exousios, which means the power to act, to make something happen. All power has been given to me. All right? So, he has the power. Let's see if we can find out what holds it back. Is it simply culture? I don't think so. I'm, I'm giving us a hint, right? I, I'm question marking. Is my question being answered today? Maybe a little, but not totally. There's power. The second word is make disciples. Now, if you had the King James, it says teach all nations. Anybody remember that? It says teach all nations. But the Greek word actually is the word for disciple, matheteos. It's saying Make disciples. Deci- make follow. What's a disciple? A disciple is a learner, a follower. Okay? Different groups have their disciples, people who follow. They observe a certain... We, ha- we have a whole um, Hasidim of the Jewish community who have a founder, and his principles are followed carefully because they are disciples of that leader. So, making disciples is the assignment. And then the last thing is that, beside that, do all, teach them to do all that I commanded. Teach obedience. Now, think about that for a minute. There's power available. Make followers and teach them obedience. I think by that standard, the church in America is suffering loss. Do you follow what I'm saying? In other words, teaching the Bible and all of that, like what I'm doing this morning, this is what I dread about my job. It's not a matter of me delivering my payload. Wham! There you have it. And you walk out and go, hmm, that was good. And then nothing happens. Obedience is the goal. Eventually, so by that standard, we are losing ground. In fact, let me just give you some stats, if I might. We might be recognizing that here in our land, we're in bad shape. The USA, in terms of church growth, where's the power and what's happening? In the USA, there's been a 23% dropout from church, from Christianity. People who were raised in it are saying, no more, I'm out. 23%, almost a quarter. What's that? This is the most recent stats I saw on the world. This would be be probably in the last decade, okay? And then, and by the way, you can look this up on Center for World Mission or any of that. Google it. You'll find all kinds of data. This is kind of fun, though. 6% conversion rate. Which means, overall, who's, who's coming into the kingdom as a new Christian in our churches? Which means our overall growth rate in America is down 17%. We're gaining some, 
but we're going down. Listen to this, though, just so you know that Jesus has not lost his stuff. I just want you to know this. In the land of China, some of you may be aware, it's one of the largest growing church areas in the world, right? In 1949, missionaries had founded the church. There were about 4 million Christians today. uh, This is 2010. 2010. 67 million Christians. 67 million Christians. The late 80s, it was calculated that about one in seven people in the world were at least nominally professing Christianity of some sort. Okay? So that, that kind of evens out the odds. You want to know which country has the highest conversion rate in the world today? You'll never guess it. I would have never guessed this. Who was cheating? Who said that? How did you know that? Iran. Yeah, Iran has the highest rate of conversion presently. The highest rate of conversion. 21st century. More than ever in Islamic, all of Islamic history, there's a radical drawing of people to faith. So, isn't that cool? You know, and we look at that now as an American in Christendom, I say, but that's the enemy. We ought to blow them up. God's doing something over there. Just, just to mess with people's politics for a second, the invasion of Baghdad, the church suffered horribly. We don't always know what's going on, but we think we know everything. But we don't. God is at work in the world. So when I read stuff like that, it reminds me of how I learned how to pray for our meals when I was younger. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Yay, God! So at least today you have something to take home with you. You'll remember that. And when I read those statistics, I went, yay, God. Right? He's in the business and his gospel still works. It does. But here's what I feel like sometimes. I'm going to put a picture up here. Anybody recognize that? It's world famous. No, I'm kidding. Anybody ever heard of Rube Goldberg? It's one of his. Rube Goldberg would make these inventions that basically did nothing. I mean, they would do one little thing like pull a napkin out for you. And it had 8,000 working parts. All this activity for a little bit of result or no results at all. Can I just be blunt? That's what I feel like churches are like. Lots of machine, lots of wheels going around. Are we making obedient disciples? Because I'd rather cancel every program there is to see 10 people become obedient disciples. And that's the mindset we need to have as believers if we're going to move forward. We see lots of action, overworking, sometimes for the wrong motives, you know. We're in it because somebody twisted our arm. By the way, that's some of our history. Stop it. Stop strong-arming people. I'm the first pastor you've had that has said, I'd rather have you do nothing if you're not in the right place. Now, I want you to do something, by the way. Oh, they love that one, right? Oh, he said <laughs> If you're not in the right place, I want you to be fulfilled in what God's called you to do. Looking for validation, look, you know, want my image to be intact. I'm very close to people that, that do that. It's all about what people are going to think. Bad idea. Or we're either overworking or we're underworking. No accomplishment at all. I think I told you years ago about the guy in my church in Tucson who said to me when I couldn't believe my ears. He said to me, uh, we were thinking of canceling Sunday night service because like four people were coming. Nope, you have to keep that going in case I feel like coming. Now that's what you call a no accomplishment person. And my wife's favorite line is, he didn't have the sense to be embarrassed. What that is, is a wait on me attitude. Wait on me. Because it's about me. Which, of course, 
our culture is filled with consumerism and our churches are filled with that. It's all about what I get. And if you do become a member of Harmony, really you should make up your mind, there's something somewhere that I need to put my hand to, find my way to make a contribution because God has not saved me for no good reason. He saved me to use me unless he's taking me home, right? Power is available. And Jesus, uh, Bill Hybels used to ask, has the Holy Spirit lost his stuff or is he still at it? I think he's still at it. And that's why I have hope for what's coming if we will press in here at Harmony. Let me get to the point on your bulletin that says the necessary ask. So, I have to set this up. So I read the... um, I read the Daily Bible, and um, it's a habit. I try to read scripture every day if possible. And there's something to be said for just that plain old discipline. Now, you're going to hate me saying this. Um, Christmas is only how many months away? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> right? Christmas is coming. Anybody remember the story, the Christmas story, just before Jesus coming? Zacharias, who's a priest, is in the temple one day, and an angel shows up. And all of a sudden, he can't talk until John the Baptist is born. Everybody remember that? How did that happen? It happened because he was on a disciplined schedule as a priest to be on duty. He shows up in the temple. Now, he could have called in sick. He could have said, no, not today. I moved yesterday. I just can't. I can't make it. I can't do it today. He could have pulled any kind of excuse. But he shows up because that's his habit. It's his job. It's his discipline. And guess what? He encounters an angel. I'm just putting it out there. You got to be at the post regularly because when the spirit shows up, you may miss it if you're I'm just being blunt. This was one of those mornings. That's why I'm telling you that story. I'm at my post. Not every morning that I read do I go, oh, 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 "Hallelujah!" I don't. Everyone in the room's going, "That's what's wrong with our pastor. He doesn't <laughs> praise the Lord enough, you know." It's, I don't get chills every, every morning that I read. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, I know this one. So here's this morning. I'm reading, and the Holy Spirit goes, bam! Oh, ow! You know, Jesus is always meddling with you. So I'm reading this passage where Jesus is saying, you know, there was a guy who had company show up, and he didn't have enough food. So he goes over to his neighbor's house, starts knocking on the door. It's late at night. He says, can you give me some food? I got company here. I need help. And the guy says, I'm in bed. The lights are out. Come on, I already walked the dog. The whole thing's done. Would you leave me alone? Jesus said, I'm telling you, even if he hates his neighbor and doesn't care, He'll get up just to keep him quiet and to get him to leave him alone. He'll give him all the bread he needs. Jesus uses that kind of negative story to try to get a point across to his disciples, followers, that the Father wants to help you. So pray, he says. So pray. Knock, ask, etc. You'll remember all of that. And then it ends with this verse. The section ends. If you then being evil, I love that. He's saying that to his disciples. Everybody say amen. amen. Oh, that's me. You don't like that one. Okay. How to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Now, where do we park when we, when we read that? Oh, yeah, man. I have been praying for that new thousand dollar amplifier for my sound system and surround sound baby i'm waiting on that i've been praying for that mercedes i knew god wanted to give it to me isn't that where we park Ooh, he wants to give us all the good stuff oh don't you know i'm going somewhere right you're gonna get mad at me here okay let's read it in a different context And I say to you, Jesus says, this is the same passage. Ask and it shall be given. 
Seek and you shall find. Knock, it'll be open. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it shall be open. Now suppose one of you fathers asked his son, uh, fathers had, uh, is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not give, he won't give him a snake, would he? I don't want to go any further. Let me just stop there for a second. When I'm reading this, the Holy Spirit is talking to Hako and saying, are you going to start asking me for a work of the Spirit in your assembly? I just put it out there so you can hold me accountable. I'm asking. If he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? Here comes the last verse, remodified. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you a Mercedes Benz? Oh, wait a minute. What will he give you? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. Oh, well, we're indwelled by the Spirit. Thank you for sharing. Being indwelled by the Spirit does not mean today you are filled with the Spirit under the control of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being coached in your followership by the Spirit, being transformed by the Spirit. Indwelling does not force that on you. You have to respond to it. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you? Want to hear the other feedback I got from somebody? Well, we don't want that. Right. Oh, no. Think about it. Well, won't it cost us something? That's what the other sister told me. That's going to cost us. Exactly. It will. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, yeah. The, no, you just, he just wants to bless you and never change you. And there's no sacrifice ever. Come on. Let me read something from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When Christ calls a man or woman, he bids him come and die. That'll cost you. It may be death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him. Or it may be death like Luther who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it's the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of, get this, this is the point. The death of your old man or woman at his call. Jesus' summons to the rich young man was calling him to die because the man who is dead to his own will, only that man can follow Jesus. That's all we're talking about is give it up already. I used to say to people who struggle, I'm still upset about all of that. I just said, would you just die already? I don't mean physically. Come on. Just die. Oh, but it's so painful. I know it is. If you would just get it over with, it won't be so painful to let go of that idol. Give it up. Yes, it will cost us something. And I get your fears because I've had them too. Pastor, um, what's your name again? Tim? (laughs) Where'd you go? He read something a couple of weeks back about the difference between being interested and being committed. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when circumstances are convenient. But when you're committed to something, you don't tolerate excuses, only results. Whether we are committed to become the man or woman God created us to be or simply interested in it is demonstrated by how easily we become distracted and deterred from the goal. When we are only interested, we allow ourselves to be turned back by inconveniences and discomfort. When we're committed, we push past the pain. We push past the pain and stay true to the goal. And then this, this was a men's group thing. That, uh, Jim Whittle actually sent this to me originally. And it said, let us all demonstrate the honorable trait of commitment rather than interest. Because that will have the result. A commitment saying, I'm willing to let God put his finger on anything he has to put his finger on. But by all means, I have to have this thing called the Spirit leading me to be a follower of Jesus. Do we really want him? 
Do we really want him? We're not talking about something crazy going on. We're talking about a lively relationship that leads us into the future and helps us change. I'm going to close in prayer, and I don't do this very often at all, but I'm going to tell you, the morning this thing hit me, I went, okay, I'm pressing into this. I'm going to start praying for this. I don't know. God hasn't given me a word what's going to happen. I don't know. But I do know this. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the help, the power, the leading of the Holy Spirit to them who ask? So all I'm going to do is this. If you know it's time, maybe it's time to reboot. Maybe it's time to start for the first time. I don't know. Are you willing to start asking for God to give his spirit to us here at Harmony Baptist Church? If you are, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. Just stand right up. And don't stand if you don't mean it. And nobody should be paying any attention because God is the one who is looking at our hearts. And I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. King Jesus, and you are a king. You love us. You can't prove your love for us any more than laying your life down to give us life. And we're just asking for strength today to give up a couple of hours of television or sloth or some other thing to put you for, to just give a little more attention to asking you for the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, there's enough faith manifested right now in this room with everybody standing up. Anybody who means business with the Lord of heaven, there's enough faith in this room for you to answer and do wonders. Who knows? We may even be surprised by some miraculous intervention. We may be blessed out of our minds with transformational lifestyles. We may be so excited to see people not easily offended, but delighted to be corrected and changed and speaking life to each other. We might not be able to stand it. Let it be so. So, Father, take note. Look upon your people right now. In the great name of Jesus, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, look upon your people and notice those who have just made themselves available to ask and ask and ask for the help of your spirit and meet their need. Give them grace to continue to ask until it is opened. To knock until it is opened. To ask until they receive. And we're asking for transformation at Harmony for your namesake. This isn't for us to be good. This is for King Jesus to be honored in this place. It's in his name that we ask for your help today. Please hear us. We pray in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Follow through. And if anyone needs to talk or find out what it means to put themselves under Jesus' lordship, we're up here to talk with you.